Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, and welcome to The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. I'm Sam Delaney. It's a particularly personal show this week, in a way, because my guest is one of my best mates and biggest inspirations when it comes to stuff like sobriety and mental health, Mr. Dan Foley. I've known Dan for many years and in my drinking days had some of my wildest times in his company, mainly watching the team we both support, West Ham. We still go to the football together these days, but we no longer do all that getting off our faces stuff. We both got sober around the same time and have helped each other a bit in that process over the years. If you get the weekly Reset newsletter, you might have read about him last week when I described our recent trip to watch the otters at the local wetland centre together. Anyway, the reason I was inspired to speak to him this week is because Dan recently qualified as a personal trainer, having given up his successful career in the media in order to get his head straight. Now he wants to help burnt-out dads, just like he and I once were, get their lives back on track. This was a really open and easy chat, which I really enjoyed, and I hope you do too. Dan, welcome to The Reset. Thanks, Sam. Good to be here. Thanks for joining me, mate. Um, A lot of people uh, who listen to this podcast may also have read my newsletter last week, which focused upon our lovely day trip to the London Wetlands Centre uh, last week to look at the otters. And, uh, you know, it it seemed to touch a lot of people, Dan. Um, and, and and I, in turn, was moved by that because, you know, all it was was a little day trip out for us. But I think a lot of people could relate to the stuff that I said about how friendships evolve once you get older. And in our case, once you get sober, um, it's sort of I don't know if it, it's peculiar to you. The fact that, you know, we used to just meet up in pubs in the East End and get battered. But now we can have, I would say, just as much fun, if not more go into a wildlife sanctuary mate yeah well it was um yeah i mean it was just it just reflects the the, the where we are in our lives at the moment and we've um you know otters who'd have thought it that, that you you bombed over otters but um he certainly said that to me 20 years ago and i've said you know that is an inc- yeah what a waste of time that's really boring there's yeah. nothing you know there's nothing there's no story there there's no excitement there's no mm. drama there's nothing um going on but actually you know we, you talked about how you did your newsletter and mm. um a couple of mates of mine saw that recognized me as the, the dan in that story and reached yeah. out and just said you know uh, that, that that story touched them because i think you know it's a combination of things it's like i used to um and we used to you know get our sort of um our thrills and our release from the things that uh you know work or um you know stress or whatever um you know by by alcohol and buy drugs and things like that and talking shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, we still talk we shit, talk, to be we fair. still talk shit, yeah. but uh, there's actually, um, you know, I'll come away from a conversation like that 
and I feel a bit nourished by it. You know, mm. we've talked about some some things that mean something to us, mm. you know, and, um, you know, spending that sort of time I've considered to be a really important part of my life now. I, I want to dedicate time to that type mm. of thing. You know, I want to dedicate time to talking about how I feel, Mm. about life about family um and you know for a long time I, I i wanted to block those feelings out yeah it's interesting going back to what you would have said back it, it back in the day if i rolled up to you in the old globe on the mile in road and said mate do you want to fancy going and looking at some otters in the week and you said that sounds <laughs> really boring and it's quite interesting that because when i reflect on the way in which we lived life or or what our aspirations were what our ideas were of time well spent or fun a lot of it i think was about boredom avoidance yeah do you know what i mean like you're obsessed with not being bored when you're yeah. younger which is fine you know no one really likes being bored although i now do see some advantages to periods of boredom but whatever <laughs> but the thing is you just, in a way i don't know about you but i just think we didn't ever want to be bored, always wanted to be distracted, but had quite a narrow idea of of how of what excitement was. Do you know well, what I mean? Yeah, and it was but it was also, I think, not being able to sit with yourself, you know, being mm. not being able to just be comfortable. Um, and you know, it's the that fear of missing out sort of stuff, isn't it? Mm. It's like I had to um, you know, a lot of my uh sort of self-esteem was based on what other people thought of me and mm. you know that that was necessarily um sort of fed by you know i had to go out i had to find out what people were doing i had to find out how that related to me where i where i fitted into mm. um those sort of spheres of influence whether it's at work or at football or at a nightclub or whatever you know mm. i had a i had it's because i hadn't um got, got a comfort comfort with myself i think is what it comes down to mm. that i required some um validation from you know from especially especially from other people but from other events and it's about finding you know that it's that horrible phase phrase but you know finding yourself being true to yourself yeah i think our generation maybe it's true of this generation but i can't speak for them we started pretty young i mean i met you when you were probably i was in my probably early 20s and you were still in your teens but it was like um i'd been at it really since i was 12 you yeah. know not like i wasn't fucking doing bottles of vodka or doing coke or whatever when i was 12 but you start experimenting with going out maybe having a few cheeky beers smoking spliffs whatever and then it and then it goes on from there and i often think that's the point at which you might be get just about getting to grips with who you are and what you want to do and what you derive pleasure from in life and but the moment you start just getting battered as a, as your main hobby, <laughs> you kind of lose sight of that, don't you? And then, yeah, and, and that getting to know yourself is 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 just a hindrance to getting to know yourself because you just every time you've got a spare moment, you're just distracting yourself by getting out of it. Well, definitely, I, I genuinely think that you know my uh, emotional development was hindered and considerably slowed down over the vast majority of my life from like that age that you're talking about from 16 to, to, you know, 40 nearly um, because of that, because the way I dealt with, you know, it, the way I dealt with emotions, whether they be positive or negative um, was definitely uh, through, you know, through mind altering substances because I'd celebrate with a drink. And if I was feeling a bit shit, I'd have a drink. You know, it, and, and it allows you to uh, quite quickly deal with whatever it is that you're feeling. Um, and, you know, I, 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 you know, I loved the drink from an early age and it was great fun. I don't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't knock it in that respect. I wouldn't say to anyone, don't ever have a drink because, um, we, you know, we had great, we had good times with it. But mm. um, there's that, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an all or nothing sort of person. In most aspects of my life, and that you know is is true of uh, alcohol. I've sadly I went to a friend's funeral recently, um, and uh, it was a friend from sixth form college, and we met up, and it was a load of old faces uh, I hadn't seen in some time. But something that stood out to me was one of the guys was uh, asking me, you know, how I was doing, and um, 
recalled, you know, how I was used to have a pint of vodka in my hand. And uh, <laughs> and he'd asked whether I'd moved on to the harder stuff yet. And uh, uh, the honest answer was that I'd, uh, you know, become teetotal. But yeah, probably, probably via, the, you yeah. know, the, the route he suspected. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just... It didn't seem strange, though. I don't think during our times, like, you know, going to West Ham or wherever we were going, that it ever seemed unusual to be getting as battered as, no. as we were. And I don't know, you hear stories of um, sort of today that, you know, the only anecdotal evidence I've got is that for the most part, that's that, that's not necessarily the case. But, um, you know, I think, certainly within my sphere of friends it was just it was it was perfectly normal to do that there wasn't um you know we we would go out and we'd sort of hang out we our community was on the the common or mm. you know at someone's house and doing that um and whether that's changed or not i don't know but, but i yeah. do think i do think that um certainly like i never would have regarded you as someone oh that like you you wouldn't have stood out from the crowd do you no. know what I mean? Oh, Dan is a fuck. He is. He's a bit out of control. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit yeah. out of control. And I'm pretty certain you wouldn't have thought the same about me. And that's the thing. It's about context. Right from an early age through yeah. to like uh, us lot going to football together, everyone's like it and therefore almost no one's like it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I I never in any in the context of whether it was me and my brothers, me and my schoolmates, me and my football mates, and actually, we both spent most of our career working in the media where there's a lot of drinking and hedonism. Yeah. All my workmates, I never think that in any particular group, I was the, the guy who stood out for his drinking or drug use, right? Which yeah. is why, and I don't know if you found this. I mean, you said that guy said that to you at the funeral. But on the whole, a lot of old friends, I think some of them, like everyone's been really supportive since I became sober, but some of them are a bit like, oh, I never really thought that you were. I never really saw you as that person. Yeah, and you think, that's that's because oh, isn't it? it? It is, but they don't know because for two reasons. One is towards the end when you, when it got very bad, it was very secretive, and I'm mm. sure there was an element of that in yours as well. Towards the end, there's shit that you're doing that you're so ashamed of, like no one fucking knows other than yourself, sort of thing. You know, like the daytime drinking or drug taking, whatever. But also, it's just like the context is. Everyone you know just habitually gets drunk quite regularly and quite yeah. casually, and it's all very casual. Do you know well, what I mean? And yeah, everyone, no and one regards it, you as problematic. No, quite. And whenever you meet up, um, you know, especially with the with the well, I mean, it's like whether you're meeting up as couples or you're meeting up just as your mates. Like the only thing that we did um, is is to get go to the pub or get drunk over a meal or whatever. It's a shared interest, yeah. It's it yeah, a hobby, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a hobby. And as you talked about, no one, I mean, I considered myself as being relatively good at concealing that sort of like mad internal, yeah. um, you know, both when, both when I'm hammered and also like um, yeah. the painful side. And it's, um, you know, quite good at concealing that. So, and, and when I said it was unhelpful, it's unhelpful because you don't get any feedback from people saying, my God, you better sort your life out. You're yeah. really out of the order. All you feel is like, oh, my God, I've got to sort my life out. I feel really out of kilter with everything. Yeah. But I've got no one's. It doesn't seem that anyone else thinks like that. So maybe I'm just making a big deal of it. Yeah. But actually, internally, it's like, oh, God, it's painful. Yeah, I mean... I I had um, towards the end, like, you know, I think in both our cases, it's probably very common to to people who are in relationships, married or whatever. It'll be your other half who says to you, listen, because they, they, you know, it's very difficult to hide it from someone you're living with. And in the end, they're the ones saying, listen, you've got to sort this out. And when you're pretty crazy, don't know about you, but I would then be in conflict with my missus around that time, which is like the final year of, of me drinking. Yeah. You started for the first time being like, no, this has got to stop. And at first you have all that denial and anger and stuff. And I would say it to a mate. Sometimes I go, Anna, 
thinks I should stop drinking a problem. And everyone you said that to go, <laughs> what? What did she say? <laughs> oh my God, what? You're mash, you must be mad. You're like, you're fine. I mean, yeah, you like a beer. You like a beer. I mean, we all like a beer. Who doesn't? But yeah, who doesn't? You're like a beer. But what? Stop completely. Nah, that's completely. Absurd. And you, you choose to believe that narrative. Of course yeah. you do. It's much easier to believe that narrative and then become resentful to the one person who's basically trying to look out for you. Well, and then that it, resentment yeah. makes you sometimes disappear even more into to misery and anger and bad habits, you know? That's the problem is that you get this, uh, you get so many, I think that was the hardest part in that sort of last year slash sort of last year of madness and first year of sobriety is the, um, the the confliction between these different messages you're getting. Mm. In your own head, you're saying, I've got a problem, I've got to stop. Then you're saying, oh, it's not that bad, I can carry yeah. on. Yeah. Plus you've got like, you've, you're trying to negotiate that with yourself. You're trying to negotiate it with other people as well because you go to a party and you're not really clear what your story is. You know, you're like, oh, I'm just off the booze for a week or yeah. sort of thing like that. And even, you know, with um, with my wife, it was, um, you know, there were times before I decided to stop where she'd say, you know, you're drinking too much. Then mm. there were times after I'd stopped where she'd be like, well, can't you just do it once in a while? Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and all that is really hard to deal with, especially on your own you know, without yeah. a support network. And I think that's why, um, you know, having support in one form or another is really important. And, you know, this applies to everything, you know, um, this applies to sort of like if you're changing any of your habits in your lifestyle, whether it's drinking or whether you're like going to eat healthier or exercise, like having a buy-in and support from people around you and surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded in that endeavor is really important because you need to be hearing you need to be hearing things that validate your you know your 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 positive change um because if people are constantly nagging on it and you know saying oh don't bother with that you know just have one um Mm. you you know it's it it makes it it makes it a lot harder uh we want to talk about fatherhood today as well because um i think you know your what you started now since you you know you've just qualified as a PT and and your new training uh, personal training business particularly focuses on on fathers who might have lost their way both physically but also I guess in a way whatever you want to call it mentally emotionally as you get to that age I guess in your 30s you have kids and perhaps your life gets so much more full and busy that it's much easier to let something slip and also, it, I think it's perhaps not talked about enough, and that's why I think what you're doing is so great. We don't talk enough about actually fatherhood is tough and it can overwhelm you because I think we're all proud. We all want to be good dads. We all want to be hands-on dads. But at the same time, by doing that, by being a hands-on dad, on top of all your other commitments, it, it, it takes its toll, doesn't it? I think because it's widely accepted that in most cases you know women bear the brunt of parenthood right and I I, you know I think that's true I'm not here to say we've got it harder than mums but I think mums have been very good at discussing that with each other and the toll it takes over the years and and being open and sharing the experience of how tough it can be mentally physically emotionally having children um dads don't do it as much I personally think, in all honesty, I love being a dad. I love my kids. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. But I can also say that becoming a dad definitely accelerated and compounded my addictive tendencies, my mental health issues, and all the rest of it. What do you think? And what part of what part did fatherhood play in you in all of this coming to a head for you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll start with the sort of where it came to a head aspect and then talk about like what you're saying about, um, you know, sort of fathers and the the way men deal with um, stress and uh, changes. So for me, um, father came as um, a complete shock to the system in terms of, um, you know, I didn't realize how much of a change in my life it would require and the most fundamental aspects of that was the um 
sort of moving from a, a, a selfish place to a more, um, you know, selfless place. So what I mean by that is I was always able, and I think this may be true of um, everyone's experience as a child, um, you know, that there's that you have time to yourself before you have a child. Mm. And then after you have a child, you basically lose um, <laughs> all of that time, mm. certainly for a period. Um, and what I found during that and what made it, you know, as you talked about, my brought out the worst in my addictive tendencies is that I found with work, um, with a newborn child, with all the other responsibilities of being an adult, is that I had none of this, um, you know, me time, I'll call it. So yeah. what? So the way I dealt with that was to basically stay up all night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and validate and, you know, justify that as that I need some time to myself. Poor me, I need some yeah. time to myself. And, um, and you know, that just, that, com- that compounded things because now you're tired, you're going to work. Um, it's sort of like you need... Um, to sort of, you, you, you know, you're exhausted by that and you come home and you've got your duties at home. And, you know, as I say, this is all very selfish thinking. Um, mm. This is all self-pity and like, oh my God, I've got it hard. Um, so that was the biggest change that I needed to address. Um, but from a father point of view, you know, we talked about this the other day and, you um, First of all, like we, as as you talked about, mothers, um, there are much they are much better from my experience, from what I've seen, at coming together, discussing the problems, and um, helping each other. Whereas our as as men and as dads, um, I think what I've seen is the the, the default remains true that we don't particularly um, want to discuss the the issues we'd rather just not talk about them have a few beers and uh, move on with it so yeah. it's not a very, you know it's it's uh, that's not a healthy way um both emotion you know emotionally to deal with any to deal with the problems you're facing so you know I, so that's something that i think i've tried to address and is something that i'm trying to address um in my living as well so trying to take a more nourishing approach to my life whether that's through um you know the food i eat or the exercise i take or the sleep i get all those things you know i cast a vote for being a positive healthy person or i can go back to that um that way of dealing with stress which is uh, you know for me for me negative now look not for everyone you know there are plenty of people out there who can have a glass of wine, be happy with that as a little stress relief. But who I'm talking to particularly is those dads. And I've had a really good response so far from, um, you know, this concept is that even, even in cases that are less extreme than I'm talking about, um, you know, there are plenty of dads out there who find themselves around the age of sort of late thirties, forties. And, they have due to due to not making time for themselves they found themselves overweight unfit and frankly unhappy with that situation because when it comes to playing with the kids when it comes to doing something outdoors they feel unfit and they can they can tell that it's Mm -hmm. impacting their health and now's a point where you know if you don't address this problem then your life is is going to be shortened and the quality of life in the short term is going to be shortened as well. And those are the people that, you know, I'm, I'm talking to about changing those habits, um, finding better ways of dealing with, with being a father. Yeah. Um, what do it, a lot of it is just about time for yourself. And I often say to fathers going through that shocking period where you start, where it dawns on you, oh, fuck. I thought I could just sort of carry on my life, but just make sure I change nappies as well. I think, yeah. no, mate, no. It, I go, it is hard. Let's not, I, I think, you know, where's the line for you between self-pity is destructive. It takes you down like a bad road, as you've just described. But at the same time, you do need to sort of 
I don't know if feel sorry for yourself is the right way of phrasing it, but you need to acknowledge and honour the fact that what you're going through is legitimately tough. It is tough. You are yeah. going to be tired. You are going to feel stressed. You are going to be sad. You, uh, and, uh, and as a result, you might do things, you know, you might take up bad habits to sort of cope with that. But it, it, it is worth saying, isn't it, that I always think, so we all know, listen, what you're going through is very difficult, Right. Where's the line between that and basically encouraging people to just feel sorry for themselves? Sort of yeah, thing? well, I think you, I think you've sort of um, you've identified it. Self pity um, is un- unhelpful because it is just worries me. But acknowledging that you are in a difficult situation and giving yourself a break and looking after yeah. yourself is the better way is the better sort of angle to do it. You're right. It's, I mean, it's tough. Like nothing else that I've experienced is tough. Do you know what mm. I mean? It's, and the, probably the, 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 the key aspect of that is, um, you know, the, the sleep. Uh, I mean, God, it, no wonder it's used as a torture method. That's the, yeah. my son who's three is just, um, started waking up in the night again and it brings back those memories of that's that's the thing that really hits like you don't many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Know what's coming is that just having to operate on so little sleep. So, in terms of that, you've got to acknowledge that and you've got to adjust accordingly. You know, you've got to, you've got to say to yourself, I cannot do all those things that I used to do. I've got to get some rest when I can. Yeah. And that applies to, you know, that's like exercise as well. If you're someone who is like really like used to going and doing loads of exercise, give yourself a break on that front. Mm. You, you you know, you need to, you need to be looking after yourself. You need to be looking after um, your family as well. Because mm. if you're not operating with at least something in a tank, then mm. it leads to irritability, you know, and, you know, stress. And those are the, the, that's the, that's what, you know, I think is the difference between feeling sorry for yourself and acknowledging that you need to look after yourself. Yeah. And it's about also putting that stuff at the center of your life, isn't it? I mean, I now, try to think of my I used to think that life was about kind of work like as in your what you do for a job but also the work you put in with your kids and all of that stuff and that the other things like fun leisure exercise rest nutrition like taking enough time in your day to like get yourself fed properly right yeah. rather than just relying on fast food or whatever Right, that all you fit, you fitted that in around the edges. Yes, and like you know, I'm 46 now, I'm 47 this year, so I I often feel fucking hell. Why did it take me so long to realise that everything needs to be flipped around the other way? You need to put all the stuff about looking after yourself in the middle of it, don't you? And fit the other things around that. Ah, man, it's it's hard to like transmit what a difference it makes as well because I'd probably not have listened to that message. Um, you know, in my twenties mm. and, uh, you know, but I had friends who did to be fair. Um, but yeah, if you, if, if you turn it around that way and you start the day, you start each day in your best possible state and you, you, you life is more enjoyable. I can tell you that much for sure. You know, mm. um, where I am today is, uh, infinitely better than where I was three years ago. Um, and that's, certainly to no small extent because I've addressed those issues of like sleep and looking after myself. And that includes 
what I do put in, what I don't put in. Um, and, you know, just having that that's time in my day to, um, to, to have a bit of quiet time as well, because, you know, that staying up all night thing, that was not, that was not dealing with the, the healthily with the problem, but I do get up early in the morning. So my, you know, I, I like to have a bit of time before the family gets up so mm. that I can just have a bit of meditation, bit of prayer mm. and just um, reflect on what the whole day ahead holds, make a plan for the day. And if it, you know, and if it doesn't work out like that, so be it. But at least I start the day in a relatively composed place um, as opposed to just waking up and going, oh, I'm knackered. Oh, fuck, what, what's going on? Our oh, baby's crying. All right, breakfast, get the kids out. And then, yeah. you know, that's 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 the, just it's just a bad foundation for the day. Have breathing space in your day. I used to relish chaos in a way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I used yeah. to like it that you wake up and you didn't know what the day was going to bring. And I used to, I was saying to my wife yesterday, I had one appointment yesterday in the whole day, right? Yeah. And it was, I had to meet someone in the centre of town, but I built the whole day around it. So I left super early so I could get a train to somewhere to Waterloo and then walk all the way into Soho to meet this person. And then after I'd finished uh, meeting them, do the same in reverse. And the whole day was built around that whole thing. And I fitted in the walk-in and all the rest of it. And it was quite calm and relaxed. And I listened to music as I walked. But I said, not only would I not have, not only would I not have been able to do that, like even five, 10 years ago, I would have still been like operating on a, like a higher speed. I would have found it a bit miserable because I sort of wanted every day to be overfilled. Mm. I wanted there to be slightly too much to do every day. I don't know why. I think maybe it made me feel important. Maybe it made me feel excited i don't know but now i just like yeah i have to build in breathing space to my day or i just don't fucking feel right at the end of the day but anyway listen the other thing i want to talk to you about was like exercise and obviously the mental health benefits of all of that stuff but here's something that you know is interesting is that you say you're an all or nothing person you know, like me, you have an addictive personality. That is something I would have uh, known, sort of suspected about you, even when I knew you when you were younger, but m- not necessarily to do with drinking drugs. But I remember when we were younger, you, you used to turn up Upton Park having run, sometimes in freezing cold weather, all the way from Blackheath in South London to Upton Park in a fucking tracksuit bottoms and T-shirt. And then you just arrive, and I don't know how many miles that is, but it's a long fucking run that, you know, like you're talking 10 miles or something mad, right? You've you, And you used to run there. I don't know how old you were. You're probably in your late teens or early 20s, and then rock up and just start drinking. And I, apart from anything else, I think he's covered in sweat and he's wearing a T-shirt. I'm fucking freezing. I'm wearing an enormous parka and a woolly hat. So how do you manage your addictive personalities around exercise? Because I know that they, I mean, you know, it's it's common, isn't it? People who use strict, but you've always, you know, you, you must have had to work hard to control your instincts around exercise too, because you obviously have a tendency to really take that to a very like, a, a, a dangerous level, your exercise. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's um, definitely, it's, it's the aspect that I have to work hardest on and, um, in that respect. And I don't think I'm alone, um, you know, amongst people um, that have taken up, uh, you know, some form of exercise as a career, um, the recovery part, which is essential to, you know, if you're right, let's say you're um, looking to build some muscle, um, the, the, your instinct is that I'm going to go in the gym and I'm going to lift heavy shit mm. and I'm going to do it day after day after day. Cause that's what build the muscle. But the reality is of course that, you know, it's the, it's the time when you are at rest after the exercise that the body actually adapts and recovers. So if you don't give it that opportunity to do that, it's counterproductive mm. um, and sort of programming your exercise in the right way is essential for that reason but yeah i my personality my default is to go at it <laughs> you know is to do it all the time because and the and the reason being it makes me feel good 
you know, mm. I get, I so get like addicted to the, to the, whatever it is, what the, the, the exactly, released, you yeah. Know, yeah, yeah. You get the endorphins and you feel it's a, you know, it's a hit, it's a mood lifting um, thing. And that is a very positive thing, but you have to be considerate of the fact that um, if you, if being used just as a way to change the way you feel, um, constantly you're going to drive yourself um you know into exhaustion you're going to do yourself mentally and physically no favors doing that so yeah so i am conscious of that and um you know i i, I am very aware that that i, I i'm liable to taking that sort of over uh, extreme path but you know that's that's been part of my process and that's part of why um for for people like myself following a program is really important because you get that guidance and you know when you when it's optimal to exercise you know when you need to rest as well Mm. so 66 days is the name of your um your training company why is it called that so 66 days um is uh, based on a, a, a quite famous piece of research um which was done in 2009 it's called how habits formed um habit formation in the real world and uh basically it's been referenced um by some some quite famous habit makers uh you know people that write about this stuff james clear um with his atomic habits um Mm -hmm. and uh, at the time it was published it was quite revolutionary because it was the first um it was the first study of this nature into the habit forming process um and the the research basically took a group uh, of students and asked them to set um a habit that they'd like to form so for example going for a 15 minute run before a meal or having a pint of water with with um before breakfast um things like that and it observed them uh, over a period of uh, months and the, the the end result was that on average 66 days is the amount of time it takes to um, for a new behavior to become automatic i.e to uh, form a new habit um, and so when I was considering my business with the physical exercise program you're not going to see results um, real habit changing results um in a matter of a couple of weeks it's again this about process a a process that will change the way you think about exercise that will change the way you think about eating um and you know 66 days or a nine-week program is a a great time a great amount of time for a sort of new fitness regime so um yeah that's that's how it came about and I guess what you, from everything you said, it's about you're, you're preaching balance here. I mean, in the back in the day, people would have got personal trainers to shout at them like a sergeant major to sort of. Um, yeah, I used to see them in the park when personal trainers were less sort of common than than they are now, and you, you'd see them in the park, and people wanted someone like a drill sergeant to shout at them and make it like Rocky a Rocky training montage, although. Of course, we all still want it to be like that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I think you're right. And personal trainers um, used to, you know, it used to be all about how much you can, you know, hurt the client during that time, how much yeah. the, how much sweat they got on and, you know. Or throw up. Yeah, I remember the, I remember up, the yeah. first time I went to my, my personal trainer about five years ago and the first couple of sessions I, I was like heaving, nearly throwing up. And I thought he'd be proud of that, but it, it was really, yeah, it was really different sort of experience. He was like, "Yo, you're all right, mate. You better take a bit of a rest, have a glass of water." I thought there used to be personal trainers who kind of prided themselves on making clients throw up in the first couple of sessions. Uh, yeah, and you know what the problem with that is? It's the same problem as taking an extreme diet because you you get someone when they're ready they're ready for a big change. They really want to do this thing, and they want to see results immediately. And the, and so you throw them into that situation where you're working hard, you, you, you know, you've got a few sessions where they're killing it, but it's, un- that is unsustainable. You just can't, you can't train like that and expect to do that as a habit. You know, I'm trying to help people change the habit of a lifetime mm. into something that they can take 
for the like years and decades to come. And mm-hmm. that is going to require more than a couple of boot camps where you get hammered and you're sweating. This is about understanding. And also like when you do that stuff, your technique is like you've been, you take some of my clients and they are people that haven't exercised beyond walking mm-hmm. um, for many years. And as a result of, you know, sort of uh, that sedentary uh, lifestyle of working, you know, you have um, movement problems, you have um, sort of, uh, you have range of movement, you have stability issues, you have strength issues that all need to be addressed. And without mm. doing it with the correct technique in the first place, um, you're going to develop more problems. So yeah, this is a this is about taking a healthy balanced look for the long term you know learning about the benefits of exercise it's an education process as well because it depends on the person but understanding why you're doing an exercise understanding what it's doing to your body you know that can you know that can be a great incentive uh to someone who's doing exercise and thinking about what motivations they have for doing the exercise so for example you know um squats why why are you doing a squat well a squat will give you that range of um, mobility and strength that allows you to do things like pick up your kid from the floor you know yeah and it's you know this this is practical functional stuff but also it changes the way we look um you know um and i don't think body you know how how we look at our bodies is different for every individual and we should take it from a positive place in the first place. We should be kind to ourselves about this stuff. And um, But being physically comfortable in my own body is really important to me. And I know when I'm happy and I know when I'm not happy. And what that looks like on the outside should be secondary to how I feel about, you know, my own mm. comfort when I'm walking up the stairs, when I'm sitting down, or whatever. So yeah, you, as as you say, this is a this is about a healthy a healthy balanced approach to exercise. When when I was to, for the last year, a like, couple of years, when I was still drinking, um, I I really I'd always been sort of someone who kind of exercised semi regularly, but I gave up on everything. I sort of it was a classic case of giving up on myself because mm-hmm. I was just like so much of my time was devoted to just being in the pub you know, and just drinking and eating shit food that I started to get really out of shape and it made me really down on top of everything else that was stressing me out or making me feel depressed. It made me feel really depressed, but I coped with it by just sort of um, diving deeper into it because mm. I'd think, fuck it, it's gone. And I, I, but the key thing was my age, I was thinking, oh, it's gone. The fit version of me is in the past. I'm going to embrace middle age. This is what happens in middle age. I'll make jokes about it and celebrate it mm. because I suddenly mm. thought first time in my adult life, I was getting actually fat, not like, you know, few wobbly bits like everyone has, but I was like, I'm just getting fat now. Fuck it. I don't care. I'm going to go down the pub. Every time I feel sad about that, I'll, I'll drink and have a burger and chips in the pub. Yeah. And that was really depressing and something that a lot of blokes don't talk about as well. Women talk a, a lot more with each other generally speaking, I think about the issues surrounding the way they feel about their bodies and men, that's a bit, uh, it's, it's definitely, I mean, even us, I don't think we were the worst us lot in our group when we weren't the worst sort of <laughs> cunts basically, but we would have definitely ripped the shit out of each other. If someone had said, I really feel like I've put on a few pounds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you really well, avoid uh, it. Well, mostly we deflect it with um, sort of humour and taking the piss yeah. out of ourselves, don't we? And yeah. I can think of a few, I can think of my mate, I saw that the other week and he was talking about his belly and he was patting it and he was yeah, going, classic. you know, oh, you know, look at this, it's love beautiful. It. Yeah. yeah, love it. And um, the, the reality is I know that is, you know, that's not how he feels about it. Yeah. And he, and he, and he understands that it's an indicator of um, some underlying health problems because it's um, it's 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 not it's not a healthy way to be. So yeah, how we uh, interact with each other, and that's why I'm trying to build this community aspect as well for dads that we can actually acknowledge that we are trying to um, we are trying to 
get out of that situation in a healthy in a healthy way and we can support each other we can talk about the food we're eating it's okay we can talk about not feeling comfortable in our bodies it's okay because mm. the reality is that's how we feel we just don't feel very good about talking about it i was at a thing and um at the time i was going through one of the many phases where you're doing a half-assed attempt to basically get your life back on track and I think for both of us, those little concessions were never going to work. It was always going to be all or nothing. And during this particular period, I think I'd probably decided it's fine. I just won't drink beer Mm. and I won't eat carbs. And we were at a thing with a load of mates and I was trying to do it, but I was desperate for no one to notice. Mm. So I think I was drinking wine because you convince yourself that's like a diet drink. Right. You do, don't you? Think, oh, it's fine. So I'm drinking beer. I'm drinking this wine. I mean, there's no calories in wine. And I was eating, I can't remember what I was eating, but I was trying to not eat any bread or whatever. But I was fucking terrified that anyone would pick up on it. And then some bastard did. And it was like, so there's like, oh, what's this? No beer, no carbs, trying to lose weight. And rather than just say, yes, I'm trying to lose weight because I've put on weight and I'm really gutted about it and I'm not feeling great. I'd do anything to deny it. No, I'm fucking not. You'd be able to make up any lie at all other than admit that you were actually just trying to get a bit healthier as if the most shameful thing you could admit was, yeah, I'm trying to lose weight uh, and just be healthy. Do you know what Ah, I mean? It feels mad now, but it is a shame that we all went to such lengths to deny that you had any intention of (laughs) self-improvement. You know what I mean? Like it was the worst thing you could admit to. But like even exercise, you'd never admit that exercise was to do with like weight or even changing your body. You, you I, I think I would never have admitted to that. I would have always said, oh, I like the way it feels or something like that, which I do. There's a lot of different reasons. But I think that's the thing about men and their bodies. It's sort of like almost shameful to admit some blokes, isn't it, that you want to change it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why culturally that it, we've, we've come to this point where, um, you know, it's, considered weakness to be uh thinking about how you look after yourself you know that that it's some sign of um weakness or you know if you're not manly if you're not having a beer or uh you know a a burger in a bun or whatever that might whatever that might be i mean it's it's absurd isn't it it's Mm. absurd that that we that we can't talk about being healthy around that stuff but you talked about the fuck it thing as well yeah and that's that's a big that's that's a big issue when it comes to like um trying to change a habit because i'm sure you've experienced this i've experienced this i know other people that have experienced this it's like you set yourself this um target and if you fail in the slightest way then you say that is it i have fucking failed i'm a failure I'm going to throw in the towel immediately rather than look at, you know, look at the progress that you made in the days preceding that and say, all right, it's a little blip. I'll just, um, I'll just reset and start again. Um, You know, and I'll take that progress and I'll build on it because, you know, it's that graph, isn't it? You, you, you know, you are always in the, as you're developing towards a goal, going to have good days and bad days, but it's about the gradual progression and throwing in the towel when you have the slightest, um, you know, resistance. It's, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a problem for a lot of us, I think. Yeah, it is. And I think the thing is as well, is that what you do is you feel really gutted and really ashamed and really disappointed with yourself when you fall off the horse, when you're trying to do anything, whether that's, not drinking on the head or keep up an exercise routine or, or eat certainly you feel so disappointed in yourself and you beat yourself up. And the only way that you know that you can cope with those painful feelings very quickly is to do the exact thing yeah. you've been trying to stop. So it was, I was totally like that with drinking drugs. Uh, I was totally like it with food. Still am a bit like it with food sometimes. Um, you just think, oh, fuck it. I just get, I, I, I give in. And uh, and the only way that you've learned to deal with those things, to deal with the, the other things, just like stop. I think a, a lot of what I'm hearing from you and is stop beating yourself up over everything. Because yeah. if you, if you fail one day, it's not failure. If you just slip up, 
the worst you can do is start giving yourself loads of shit. And that's what we all do. We just give ourselves so much fucking shit all the time. Your internal voice is just, you're, you're kicking the shit out of yourself the whole time. I think that's what leads us into so many bad habits and dark places, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, mate, we're only human. We're going to fuck up. I mean, that is just, that is life. You know, we, we know uh, this is something I try and tell my daughter every day. It's like we make mistakes and we I continue to make mistakes every day. Um, but it's just trying to learn from them and try and be positive about it. Try and think about the next good thing you can do towards that person you want to be and not kick yourself when you're down. Dan, I'll let you go because you've got people to go and train. But um, I congratulate you as always for uh, changing your life for the better and for the new project you're working on. Brilliant. I can see you so much happier as well in this sort of new career. 66 days. Check it out, everyone. I'll put a link uh, with the email and everything so you can you can visit there if you're in the West London area. Um, Dan might change your life. He might even introduce you to some otters. Um, all the best, mate. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, Sam. Thanks. Nice one. There you go, Dan Foley, a great pal and also an awesome trainer who will help get your body and your mind straight. I can't tell you how much shit we've talked to each other over the years, so having a more reflective and honest chat like that one is still a real novelty to me. I love the way friendships can evolve into something more meaningful as you get older. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed listening to us. If you like this stuff, please subscribe to the Reset newsletter at samdelaney.substack.com. You get a letter every week from me, plus this podcast emailed directly to your inbox every week. Until next time, be lucky and don't let the dickheads get you down. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.